Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, um, I want to bring us yet another wonderful teaching, especially in this time where men are ministering more questions rather than godly edification, which is after faith. And so it's expedient for me in this time to remind us all of one of the most important conviction of our faith. And in some respect, like the Bible says, I will not be negligent to put you in remembrance even though you know these things and are established in the present truth. So if you know what I'm going to teach, the Spirit prompts me to remind you because of the times that we're in. Somebody shout hallelujah. And I'm going to take our reading from the letter of St. Peter, the first chapter. And I'm going to begin from the 16th verse in the Amplified Version because there's a wealth of conviction I feel that I need to transfer to somebody's spirit this evening. Glory to God. Verse 16 says, For we were not following cleverly devised stories when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is saying, when we were led or impressed by God to preach the gospel to you. We were not following cleverly devised stories. We were not just telling fables. We were not on folklore. When we decided to write about Jesus Christ, to teach about this Jesus, he said we were not just speaking from our minds. It was not imaginative composition. It's not a story of trying to make people feel good. You know, the world has no problem, by the way, with Jesus. Except if he becomes one thing, and one thing only. The word. Some people are okay calling him a prophet. Some people are okay calling him a philosopher. Some people are okay calling him a man of wisdom. Some people are okay calling him anything. But when it comes to defining him as the word, he has to be a seed. And that seed must die. And it must raise from the dead. And that's the problem with people. They'll prefer him to give wisdom few ideas to help men navigate through life. When it comes to the power of salvation, 
many have a problem taking him that far. Imagine these young men he had met, fishermen, young dreamers, and then he tells them, follow me. They put their nets aside and just followed him. They walked with him all of those years. He ministered greatly. Then he ascended in glory. And then these men too started living a certain life as a testimony of what they had experienced with this Jesus. And it's in the sum of those things that Peter now tells you, when we came to write, we did not use cleverly divided stories when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah. But he said, but we were eyewitnesses. We had experiences about this man. We touched, like John said. We tested concerning the word of life. We handled it and saw it with our eyes. First John 1 John 1.1. We looked upon this thing. That very word of life. And that's where he wrote from. So Peter is saying, these were not just wise words from a wise teacher. Beyond that, Peter tells you, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, the grand of the authority of sovereign power. For when he was invested with honor and glory from God the Father and the voice that was born to him by the splendid majestic glory in the bright cloud that overshadowed him saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and delighted. He says, we actually had this voice born out of heaven for we were together with him on the holy mountain. He's saying, not only did we write, we actually had experiences of this man. Jesus is real. He's real. He's real. Somebody shout hallelujah. So Peter tells us that one day they're on a mountain of transfiguration. And God appears. Before their eyes, they had a vision. They saw the manifestation of the glory of this man when they were on the holy mountain. They had experiences about Jesus Christ firsthand. And they say they saw his face shining as the sun, and his raiment was as white as the light. They had physical encounters. Of this Jesus we're talking about. Paul says, I know it's boastful of me, foolish, but I'll boast in him. He says, I know of a man. Whether in the flesh or not, I do not know, he says. But he says, but I know of a man who was caught up in the third heaven. He says, I knew a man in Christ who saw things which were not lawful to utter. The Amplified Bible says that the human language had no power to put into words. These men had experiences. What is the vision of things you have no language to speak? Has eight in a crusade ground. I've said that story before. I repeat it for those of you who don't know. Playing football. This man is preaching. 
about this Jesus. I come closer to here. And then he says, if there's anybody who wants to receive this man as your Lord and Savior, put up your hand. Put up my hands on my friends. Right there when he says, say Lord Jesus. And I said, Lord Jesus, I welcome you in my heart. And a vision appeared before me very clearly. It's about eight, but it has never left me. Because when a child sees a vision, it's easier to believe than an adult. I don't know. I think it's childlike faith. I saw Jesus when I was eight. Eight years. I've walked with a God I know. I'm not just talking about things that are coming from my head. I'm not just speaking because I had somebody talk about him. I walked with him since I was a little boy. I was awakened very early spiritually. I just didn't know him the other day. I just didn't know how to explain what I saw. I didn't know what to deduce in what I experienced. I didn't know how to attend to what I encountered. But I saw the Lord early. And since then, I've had a few experiences of this person that has further affirmed my conviction not only of his existence, but of his heart toward men. When as a younger man, I tell people that my ministry was a little more focused on you, or most of, on demonstrating power, prophesying, and doing the things that I knew would catch the attention of those who needed help. I think it was a phase in life that God had designed me that way. I used to go place to place, pray for the sea. My first cancer miracle we prayed for at home. She's still alive. It's more than 13 or 14 years ago. She's still alive. First stage for cervical. So, we're demonstrating power. And all of that is important, by the way. I'm not saying that this should be taken lightly. We demonstrated power. Prophesy, speak for only 20 minutes, then prophesy, pray. We lived that life for quite some time. But then, I started to be trouble because much as we had fixes, people had answers. But I never saw transformation and reformation that should follow a person who has walked with God for some time. So it troubled my heart. Were these people coming in the presence of God only for the hand of God? Were they coming for only answers? Were they coming for husbands and jobs and children and cars? And Why were they coming? But I never saw the transformation you must see. I believe I'd started to have a clue about what transformation means. So you can be in church every week, but you're not transformed. 
You can sit in the congregation of the righteous. The church of the firstborn, but you're not changed. Year in, year out. Same attitude, same indifference, same confusion, same frustrations. It's possible to see your neighbor transform and you're not transformed. To spend five, ten years under an anointing. And when you wait spiritually, you look like you have actually never met the first steps of the Spirit. And that from the apostolic conversations is a very, very heavy burden for any apostolic. I mean, I know the fivefold, I can speak from my office. It's a very burdening experience when you see a person who is gifted but not fully converted. Oh yes, I have met pastors who are not fully converted. Prophets, evangelists, teachers. It's not only with a lay believer. It's also with us ministers too. That you can spend your life in the presence but things are not changing. That's trouble. And to have God, yes, we did, but we never saw his best. Some of them died early. Some of them failed. And some I knew so intimately. So the pain kept coming through. So I started to say there must be something more. There must be a higher realm. There should be a higher level somewhere that I am missing. I must be missing something. We must be missing something. Why are we believing for things that never translate? Why are we praying for things that never change? Are you learning something? Why are we praying for things that don't go? How do you chase demons for 20 years? Same demon. Fasting for 16 years. And there's a man in the same world who just does this. And things change. I'm trying to help somebody this evening. So Peter tells you, we had experiences. If you're talking about experiences, do you know there's a person right now all they are waiting for is to have a personal visitation of Jesus in their room and they'll believe him forever. All they are waiting for is to have an angelic visit in their car and they'll believe forever. Well, I grew up with some young men who were speaking of angelic encounters like, like you meet a person for lunch. And then I was in my room and then an angel came and then got a scroll and hit my head and told me, son of man, listen. Oh my goodness. I used to look at this guy and I'm like. I met a very prophetic young man who, very, very prophetic. Very, very prophetic. And when the guy spoke that he was with an angel, you could tell. Say, eh. But many of them over the years, the stars dim, the brooks dried, even with the experiences that they had of this Savior that I'm talking about. 
I remember a woman once who came and told me, oh, I'm in love with this man, but I don't know whether he's the one. And I told her, do you want us to pray? Somewhere in Kawempe. She said, yeah, let's pray. I said, do you want a sign from heaven? She said, yes, I want a sign from heaven. We prayed about it. It was a Sunday morning about 6.30 a.m. She's on our gate at home. Where is she living? My parents. I need to see Grace. She's shaking like a leaf. She tells me, an angel came in my room. An angel came in my room. It was a bright light. He came, stood before me. An angel appeared to her in her room. In a bright light. And told her, leave that man alone. Sunday morning, 6 a.m., she was on our gate. But I tell you a few months later, she was back with that man. <laughs> no amount of vision can guarantee the affirmed understanding of a man concerning his God. He parted seas before Israel. Moses smites the sea. Parts. The waters parted. And they crossed the other side and built molten images. Forty days after looking for Moses, they had already built another God. I have said this once and I'm going to repeat it again. No amount of experience and encounter can guarantee that a man has an understanding of God. There is more. There is more. That's what Peter is telling us. He said, we saw the glory of his majesty, his grandeur. A voice came and we all heard it from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased and delighted. We touched him, tested him, we experienced him first hand at the mountain. His face shined before us. His raiment as of an angel. The Bible says it was white as the light. We saw, if you're talking of experiences, we saw experiences. Yet those experiences are enough to guarantee faith in God. They're enough to guarantee faith in God. Not understanding, full understanding. Separate that. Not all who have faith have a full understanding. You got the difference? But they can't guarantee faith. Like I said, there's somebody, if an angel comes in their room right now and tells them, you are healed, Rita, they will believe it. They just need that. If they saw an angel, and the angel came in their room and tells them, from today, you will never be poor, says the Lord, your host. Eh? They'll come out and say, I will never be, and they'll be convinced that they'll never be poor because they carried an experience. So, you could look at People right now, and I know many, who are waiting for a man of God 
to say, who is Namutebi, Rachel? Which is not bad, by the way. Come. Don't you have three sisters? Is that one with a, with a boy, boy child? Don't you live in Namasuba? Yes, yes, yes. Well, you're getting married next year. Ooh. If they had a spectacular experience, they would believe. Every day they are waiting, one day. And am I saying prophecy is wrong? No, prophecy is not wrong. I believe in prophets. I love some prophets in the world. I have prophets among us. I prophesy to. Might not be to the level of some of you, but I see. I've done some of those things when the spirit wills and provokes. In fact, in my earlier years, <laughs> that's all we knew. That was the realm we knew. So I'm not against that. But like I said, there's somebody. They just need to be called out by name to believe God. If they never call them out, they will never believe God. If they never, you know, those people are And I've had those people. If it is you, God, let that man call me. And because he's a merciful God, he can come to meet you where you are. Man can say, hey, sister, come. Ha! You see? That, that, it's fleecing. One day you find another spirit and then fleece. If it is you, oh, 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 oh. You know those young men who just say, God, I'm sure Rachel is the one, but let her put on blue tomorrow. She's the one, and she's my wife. Blue, blue, blue. That day she puts on green. Yet she's his wife. Then he just raises holy hands and says, "Thank you, Jesus. You have spoken." Oh, that day she puts on blue. And she's not his wife. Because the New Testament believer should not fleece God. That's for babies. Leave it for babies. If it is you, God, send me. Listen, I've seen people who have received all the signs they've asked of, quote and unquote, from God, but they weren't from God. Because God is saying, that's not how I work in such principles. I've given you the guiding lights of the Spirit. And one of the most potent guiding lights is the inward witness. I speak to your inner man through the Holy Ghost. My word, I've given you many things. Praise the Lord. But they are saying, Gideon. Gideon was under another covenant. Gideon, because he flees God, I mean that you should, because Gideon did not have the Holy Spirit in him. Back in the day, the prophets the kings, the judges, the spirit used to come upon them. Are you learning something? He says, I put a fleece of wool. You read Judges chapter 6. Are you following me, child of God? Peter says, we saw, we experienced. 
We saw visions. To think you've had encounters. We saw a shining man whose face was radiant. We saw he was invested in honor and glory. We experienced it at the mountain. The voice spoke while we had, we saw. We had encounters. We saw miracles. We saw wonders. We saw. Next verse says, verses 19. And we have the prophetic word made farmer still. KJV. We also have a more sure word of prophecy. For when do you do well to take heed as a light and that, that, that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts? What is Peter saying? Oh, you didn't get it. He's saying we had all these experiences. But we have a more sure word of prophecy. Who got it? We saw visions about Jesus. But we have a more sure word. Who got it? We saw angels. But we have a more sure word. We saw visitations and encounters, but we have a more sure one. In other words, we have something that is more sure than any vision you could ever encounter. If you had an angelic visit and believed God, we have something that is more sure than an angelic visit. Something Satan can't fake. Oh! Who has understood what I'm saying? If you think that you had encounters and you were in a mountain and 17 angels came and they gave you instructions and they gave you, you know, a scroll for you to read, all of that is wonderful. But there is a more sure word. There is something more sure than the greatest vision you could ever have from God. And God said, it is this thing you don't read every day. It is this thing you don't have time for. And he says, but you do well to take it as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the death star arise in your hearts. This is the thing you do well to take it to. This one, this one, this one. He said, you will do well to take heed as unto a light that shines in your problems, in your challenges, in your situations, circumstances, until things break out to your answer in your hearts. So the mystery here is that death star rises in your heart. That means that this one is intended to get into your heart and plant something so distinct that when that thing is planted in your heart, Everything outside is fixed. Now, this is a hard thing to explain to men who live without. You live according to your feelings. You live according to your circumstances. You live according to what you see. You live according to what you hear. You don't live from within. This shines in a dark place until the day dawn. And the day star 
that is a revelation of Jesus, arises in your heart. In other words, I gave you something more sure than any vision or prophecy or what, anything way, way bigger than calling out your name on Thursday. Which should do good to take heed as a light that shines in your dark places until the dead dawns, until things change and the death star, the revelation, rises in your heart, is lit or illuminated in your spirit. Who is learning? This is more sure than anything you know in the world. This can change anything in the world. A prophet can come and prophesy something and you go in this thing and establish a more sure prophecy. Oh, <laughs> a doctor can write something on a piece of paper and you come into this thing and write a more sure prophecy. Your employer can write a certain letter and you come in this thing and write a more sure appointment on the day you are fired. Somebody can send you divorce papers and you come in this thing and write a more sure marriage certificate. Oh, Masomra de Gazokatala. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13, if you read the Amplified. He says, and we also especially thank God continually for this. That when you received the message of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of mere men. No, but as it truly is the word of God, which effectually, read, is at work in you who believe, exercising its supernatural power in those who adhere to and trust in and rely on it, this one works for those who trust it. He says, when we gave you that word, you didn't take it as a word of mere men. This is what he's telling the church. He's telling them, whenever they spoke the word of God, they were not hearing it like, hey, this man speaks. Hey, he knows how to speak. He can speak to you eh? and take you out of your confusion. I came and I was sad. But you shared things. You ask him, which things? There's things you shared. Uh, which things? Um, I remember, but eh? uh, you're a good speaker. Man, no. Listen. He said they did not receive these words as mere words from mere men. That is when they sat before the teachings of the apostles. God was speaking from a sure word. He was speaking from the most trusted source to bring change on us. The most trusted truth. And he says, this is effectually at work. <laughs> Present continuous. It is effectually at work. Have you ever been in a place where you're driving, for example, and then you find this little, you know, sign? Men at work, that means something is going on continuous at that time, at that point. Are you, are you hearing me? They say this one is effectually at work. 
It didn't just work. It's at work. So the Bible says that the word of God is sharp. It's quick and active. It's active. It's active. It's active. It's not passive. It's active. It's dynamic. This one is at work. Hebrews 4 12. Read the Amplified. Uh-huh. For the word that God speaks, uh-huh, is and full of power, making it active, uh-huh, operative, uh-huh, energizing and effective. It is active. It is at work. Right now, you might not feel any change in your body. You might not see changes in your finances yet. You might not see changes in your family yet. But something is working in your cells. Something is working in your heart. Something is working in your kidneys. Something is working in your liver. You might not see it here, but something is working in your children. You might not see the boy change yet, but something is working. You might have not yet conceived, but it is working in your womb. It is working for those who believe. You might not see the change next week. But it's incubating. It might take another two years. But it is. Help me. There's somebody, things are even worsening. You're probably worse today than you were yesterday. But it is still working. Only if you believe. Nudge somebody and tell them it's working. More than you think in my life because I believe it. Shout amen somebody. He said this word is exercising its superhuman power. Present continuous. It's exercising its superhuman power. You just need to look back after many years and say, eh, how many of you have? You look back and say, eh, where would I be on a Thursday? and remember how poor you came. You were even smelling poverty. People will bypass you and woo! Poverty. But the Lord has made you rich. You came single. Now look at you. You even wave with the hand of the ring. Shout hallelujah. The word is exercising its superhuman power. May we wave soon also. In Jesus' name. May we also start buying blue clothes and pink ones soon. May your conversations change to I need to go back, eh? I need to cook. 
It's working. Tell somebody it's working. There's somebody watching me. There's another one taking it. Because they believe. May they also call you daddy soon. Instead of Bob, Bob, Bob. From Bob to daddy. In Jesus' mighty name. May they hear children crying in your home. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. May they see you on television preaching. Healing the sick. Cleansing the lepers. Speaking to presidents. Filling stadiums. Exercising its superhuman power. Somebody shout amen. Show glory to God. It works. It works. And it is working. The word is working in my body. Come on, say it. The word is working in my body. It's working in my organs. It's working in my family. It's working in my children. It's working in my business. It's working in my dreams. It's working in the ministry upon my life. It is working in my thoughts. Now, I want you to shout amen. Hallelujah. Psalms 138 verses 2. I will worship toward thy holy mountain and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified your word even above all thy name. Any name you could call God is effective enough to perform its person. But yet, he says, I have exalted my word even above my name. If you say I'm Jehovah Jireh, it's enough for me to provide all you want. But I have exalted my word above even that name of provision. Sure word. You got it? Did you get it now? I'm Jehovah Rapha, your healer. That name is enough to heal you. But I've exalted my word even above my name Rafa. That the name Rafa has to fail first for the word to fail. And yet his name does not fail. Who am I talking to? Don't be shaken. These things are temporary. Tell your neighbor, don't be second. These things are temporal. They're temporal. 
you're struggling financially, look into one of your pockets or a bag you carry and say, do not fret. It is temporal. It has hard. It has hard. Some of you are saying, hey, why? Why are they doing that? Don't worry. That's how faith works. That's how faith works. I told people one day I was just tired of walking, preaching the gospel, screaming, but I'm walking. I said, enough is. I went in my father's living room. It was at 3 a.m. Made sure nobody was watching. I said, now I'm going to buy Micah. I went to the word Isaiah and I said, come without money and what? I said, so I don't need money to buy. There's another currency of heaven. It works a certain way. Ah. Then I read the scripture about exercising yourself unto godliness. Then I remembered the scripture that if you're serious about living this life of Christianity, act like it. So I sat down. Imagine the color of my car. I wanted it automatic. Started my engine. It started immediately. And I, it was a Benz Mercedes. I, D. Very few, very few days. I had my first car in the exact color. That's why some of you are still struggling to get married. Because you don't even care to know where gowns are sold. You don't Google honeymoon spots. The word has said he calls the things that be not as though they are. Hey, somebody shout amen. amen. He told Abraham, I have made thee a father of nations before he had a child. He's a God who tells you you are married before you get married physically. And because you should not stagger the promise. You should not consider what's working and what's not working. You must make a step of faith. Some action to follow what you believe. If you believe that you are rich, do things rich people do. I've already told people, how do you have a minimum wage ethic? with a $1 million idea. It can't work. The Bible says that the rich scatter. Hey, you know, there's a liberality that comes with wealth. 
Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. So why, why do you act like a poor man? Ah, no, my money, no, leave my money. Even if you have a million dollars, you're poor. When I discovered this, I started going step by step. I started with the things I could afford. I refused people to pay for my bills when we went out. I'm the one who pays for both of us. Then we fight for bills. Then I see my friends always eating on my hand, but they don't know what I'm doing. By the time I'm driving a Mercedes, they're still singing about the border. Because they could afford a meal of, you know, 5,000, but they chose I pay. And I paid it because I was rich in my spirit. Are you learning something? If you enter a group of single ladies and married women, and you've come to sit for a meeting, sit among the married. Hey! But some of you say, ah, there's a married woman, let me go and sit with my own single. That's why we don't do single conferences. Have you ever seen me do a single conference? A singles conference. I don't do a singles conference because I want all my kids married. So it's a matter of time, except those are those ones who are eh, to be eh, alone. Those ones are different. Praise the Lord. Those ones, I meet them personally and I tell them, endure, enjoy. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It is working. Tell your neighbor, it is working. You might not see it yet, but it is working. Some of you are just slowing it because you're not doing your part. What is your part? Believe and follow your faith with some action. You're not just going to be passive waiting. No, follow it with some action. Some action. It's like you find this student who says, I'm so wise, I'm so wise. I have the wisdom of God. I have the wisdom of God. And you don't read. No, you have a demon. Somebody shout hallelujah. Let me even make this more crazy. This word by whom the world was framed, this very word, when he said, let there be and the world was formed, this word that changed history, aligned things, corrected things, established things, has been exalted above his name. James chapter 1 verse 17. And I want you to get me the New Living Translation. You're going to love this. New Living Translation. Verse 17. One, two, three, let's go. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Listen, many people don't know that this portion of Scripture, James 1.17, has a connection to verse 18. Many people, when they're reading this portion of Scripture, this and the next I'm going to read, they usually read 17 separate from 18 because they don't see the connection. But New Living Translation, I'm studying this thing and it shows me the connection, the correlation, the marriage, the reconciliation of truth. Now, I want us to read it 
imagining there is no verse 18 and 17. They're just one block of writing. Right? Can we go? One, two, three, let's go. Whatever is good and perfect comes to us. Uh-huh. From, don't forget it comes to us, right? Let's continue. Who created all the lights in the heavens? He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Listen, huh? He chose to give birth to us by his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. No, no, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. Let me explain. He spoke of the good and perfect that comes from him, from the Father. Are you listening to me? And it never changes. So we know that there's a good and perfect that has come. Are you hearing me? Down to us from God. And in 18, he explains what came to us. He explains the perfect that came to us. And he says, he chose to give birth to us by what means? Salvation. The coming of Jesus Christ. That's the perfect gift. Paul calls it the indescribable gift. You see, he chose to give birth to us. That is salvation. By giving us his true word. Who is that? Jesus. His true word. Now go to the KJV and hear how they render the true word. 18 verses 18. Of his own will, listen, begat he us with the word of truth. You can't have understood this and stayed like that. Let me explain. This thing we call the word, which is a sure word, it's in that word that he went and met the new creature. It is in that word, that sure word, that he entered to make you. So, God had to make your nature. He had to enter or make you from something sure. Says that. We are sure your kidneys won't fail. We are sure your marriage won't fail. We are sure your ministry won't fail. We are sure your business won't fail. You were born from the sure word. That's what it means to be born again. You enter the world sure. Check somebody and tell them I'm not speculating. I'm not guessing my marriage. I'm not guessing my children. I'm not speculating on ministry. I'm not speculating on my destiny. Tell them. Tell them I'm not speculating on finances. I'm rich actually. I'm not speculating on the anointing. I'm actually anointed. I'm not speculating on beauty. I'm actually handsome. Fearfully and wonderfully. The perfect gift Christ. Woo. 
The perfect gift Christ came as the one. And the same Bible says you are God's workmanship created in the word Christ Jesus. And two good works and two good works for which you are ordained before that you should this is a sure thing you should now give it to me in the amplified one two three let's go for we are God's own his what workmanship recreated in what Christ Jesus born what that we may what do those works which God what predestined planned beforehand for us uh huh taking parts which he prepared ahead of time that we should is it a might is it a may it is a could no that we should walk in them uh-huh living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to do tell somebody i can't suffer in this one Tell him Sajja Kubona Abuna. I'm not a survivor. No. There is a life that is arranged for my living. Because I'm born of something sure. Hey! Somebody say hallelujah. That's why the Bible calls you his most prized possession. New Living Translation called you his most prized possession because of what he went through to make you. 1 Peter 1:23 amplified he says you have been regenerated born again not from a mortal origin seed or sperm but from one that is immortal by the ever living and lasting word of God. That is why you will never die it's living and lasting it's immortal that means nothing dies around you but things died now stop stop them from dying shall they mean somebody shall they man How can you fail? How can you worry that you'll fail? How can you die early? How can your marriage fail? No. 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 If God be for you, sure what? I'm looking at sure words. You want anything? You just prophesy on yourself. Don't wait to call your number out or your name. Uh -uh. You just look up and say next week at 4 p.m. in the name of Jesus. This is changing for me. Sure what? He said you shall decree a thing 
and you're still waiting for me to prophesy in your life. Uh, you're still waiting for somebody to call your number out and your number played. Yet he said, you shall decree and it shall be established. You're still waiting for somebody to tell you next year you are going somewhere. Uh-uh. Some of us, we don't wait. We wake up and plan where we are going and speak ourselves. Are you sure you're going to make it? Are you sure you'll not die? Are you sure that promotion is yours? Are you sure you'll settle? Are you sure you'll serve God? Are you sure you're going to be a burning and shining star? Are you sure that greater days are ahead of you tomorrow? Are you sure that you cannot fail? Are you sure that you're not going to regress? Are you sure? So some people ask us, how are you sure? Because it's who we are. We were born from it. We were born by it. We are crazy enough to believe God for anything. Is there anything too hard for our God? Is there anything the world can't do? But the word is naive. It's in your mouth. You speak to that fibroid and tell it die. The word has spoken. Because he only gave you one, one simple key in the name. He said, in that day you shall ask me nothing. You shall ask me nothing. Don't come to me and say, Jesus, do this for me. No. But he says, you shall ask of the Father in my name. In my name, John 16, 23. In that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, whatsoever, whatsoever. Mark 11, 24. The Bible says, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. The Bible says even earlier that if any man believes, he shall say, if you shall have faith as small as a mustard seed, he said, you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and thrown to yonder place and it shall be done. And he says, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. You shall say, if you believe, you shall say. If you believe, you shall say. If you believe, you shall say. If you believe, you will say. I can't fail. I can't die. I can't lose. I can't. I, you will say something. Because you're born of a word. That means you survive by words. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. You live by the things you're speaking. Speak great things. Speak things of glory, of victory, of love, of power, of increase, of progress, regardless of what you're going through. Don't turn your tongue. Open your mouth and speak to God. Fashion words ever true.
changing me and changing you. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words be heard. Words of life, words of hope. is incorruptible. No corruption will come near your house. No corruption will sit in your body. If it is sickness, I decree that today is its expiry date. In the name of Jesus, God is fixing your house, your ministry. You will serve him mightily. He's fixing your children. He's fixing your organs. He's fixing your career. He's fixing your dreams. The words you have spoken, all of them will come to pass. Only believe that what you have said shall come to pass. Come on, clap your hands to Jesus. Your week is going to be wonderful. This month is going to be wonderful. This is a year of resurrection. Things are going to come alive. Things are going to work. It's a very good month. It's your best season yet. The worst has already happened. The greatest day is ahead of you. 
in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, clap for Jesus. It is working. It is working. Hallelujah. Now, if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it only implies you've never given the word the opportunity to work in your life. But today you can make that decision to allow the word to work in your life. If you're there and you want to give your life to Jesus, repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I've heard your message. I've believed in my heart that you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Change me. Transform me. Teach me. I want to grow. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowship at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.